It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. You're listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. What's going on, Bleeding Green Nation? It is uh, episode number 49. Not that it's a big week. You know, I heard somebody's coming back into town. Might be playing uh, uh, Washington this week, but uh, it's been uh, a, a nice uh, stir-the-pot type of day here. Uh, as my name is John Barchard, we are tuned in right here on BGN Radio to get you ready for the weekend. Everybody's here. Let's introduce everybody around the horn. Mr. Brandon Lee Gouton from BleedingGreenNation.com. What's happening, buddy? 2 and oh. 2 and oh, I look to my right and I see the man that held it down la- all last week, hosting two shows, kicking ass and taking names. From 97.5, the fanatic, Mr. James Zeltzer. What's happening, pal? What's up, Johnny? I got a lot of respect for you last week. I didn't respect you at all before last week. Now there's a little bit there, so it's good. Fair enough. I'll take it. I will take it. And, of course, the prettiest man in the room and also the hardest working man this week is making his uh, second appearance uh, in a week, Mr. Patrick Wall. What's going on, pal? It's not easy to carry this show, but I make it look good. <laughs> uh, well, I know a lot of you listened to the reaction show, and uh, we're kind of upset with the kind of takes that we took with uh, Nick Foles and, and all that stuff. And look, I, let me just clarify something before we get rolling into this thing. Obviously, I don't, I, I shouldn't have said Mark Sanchez needs to take over this team right now. It was a ridiculous reaction statement. When you look back at the film, it wasn't as bad as I initially thought, so I apologize for making us all look stupid because a lot of you took it that way, and I didn't mean to. That's just my own dumb take on it. But here's what I will say. I don't think there's still any difference between Sanchez and Foles right now. There isn't. They're both average quarterbacks. I think in a Chip Kelly offense, the quarterback is almost secondary. It's very pitch and catch, and I I am still tremendously worried with Nick Foles and going forward here, this is unsustainable, This type of these type of victories. I understand and I appreciate, um, you know, what Chip Kelly does, and that's, that's kind of what it is for me. Chip's kind of the star of this thing. You know, we think of, and it's a perfect week to kind of talk about it. You know, we all thought that, or some people still do, think that Deshaun Jackson was the star of this offense and that's what made it go. Now that's shifted in, you know, Nick Foles is the guy and all this other stuff. I, I think Chip Kelly is still the star of this offense. I really don't. Obviously, you can't be a below-average player and still work everything out here, but I, I'm curious, Brandon, how how concerned are you with Nick Foles, with this 
return of Deshaun Jackson, all this other hype that's coming around this week, the civil war that keeps happening on Twitter every time Deshaun Jackson uh, you know, comes up here. Um, what are your kind of takes overall uh, on this whole thing uh, and as the season is right now? One to ten with, with one being the least concern and ten being the most concern. I'd say it's a solid six or six and a half on that arbitrary scale with Nick Foles right now. You know, I think he's played two games where they, I, I can't say they've been good. I can't say they've been terrible because, you know, the numbers look good. Obviously, they're 2-0. and He's playing well enough to win just by definition. But, you know, there's things you definitely want to see improve moving forward, especially because, you know, he's in he's in his third year now. You know, maybe it's the only second year with – with Chip Kelly, but you know, it's not like he's a rookie by any means. I mean, people say he's young. I mean, that's, that's partially true. He's like 25 or so, you know, you just want to see him play better and, and you don't want to make excuses. And I don't want to hear that other quarterbacks around the league are struggling because that's irrelevant. Like that doesn't, I don't care about other quarterbacks. You know, I'm interested to see how Nick Foles does. And really you just want to see him not make the same mistakes that he keeps making, which is, you know, missing open receivers. And again, every quarterback is going to do that. But the problem with him is it's just feeling like it's they're coming at crucial times. You know, it's like a third down. And, you know, I think there was a play this past week where Riley Cooper's running wide open crossing route. And Nick, for whatever reason, just isn't seeing him. You know, that's the first down they have right there. They don't get it. You have to punt. And especially in, in, in a half or it's well two straight weeks where you have this first half where they're just struggling so much, you, you want to see him, you know, work some of those wrinkles out. And you, you just hope that improves moving forward. I thought you would see more improvement this well, this past week against the Colts. We really didn't. You saw some, but you didn't see it to the degree where you're, you're feeling, you know, fine. It's like I said before, the bottom line is he needs to play better. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what Brandon said. Uh, I'm definitely a, a, a tad worried, but I go back to what you said. I I totally agree I, I think chip kelly is not only the star of this offense just the star of this team i think it's his program i think that things work the way chip wants to work them and i really do have a, a ton of faith in this guy uh, to help you know the eagles win football games but uh, as far as Foles goes a little nervous uh, you know i don't want to overreact to two games it's a very, very small sample size. It's early in the season. Sometimes it takes people time to get going, uh, especially just in the looking at the first half versus second half thing. It's just it, it's it's hard to explain. You don't you know they look so bad in the first half and then so much better in the second half. And obviously, Foles still missing some open receivers and missing some throws in the second halves as well. But just that difference, you know, the dichotomy from one half to the other shows that, you know, Foles does have the ability to succeed. We've seen it before. So I'm I'm not quite as worried as Brandon is quite yet, but it's it's definitely something you got to keep your eye on. He, he certainly has not looked as good as he did last season. And Patrick was there to just see me, uh, you know, breathing fire on uh, Sunday as we recorded that thing. But honestly, you know, I think you had a, I had a pretty good take on that there, Patrick. Like there was – uh, and Mike K kind of reiterated that as well, just saying, you know, do, do you think that Foles just doesn't have the confidence in his wide receivers right now? And that's why he's, you know, be, being very uh, hesitant uh, to throw. I think that's probably part of it. Um, I think with Nick, it's just a lot of things. And, and I think part of my frustration at least stems from the fact that, you know, I'm not hearing or I'm not seeing either. An, I'm not hearing an explanation from Nick as to why he thinks this is happening. 
and I'm not really seeing the progression on the field. And like I said last week, I mean, Nick's receivers aren't helping him out, obviously. Uh, but I think it, it's more than that. I mean, at the beginning of the Jaguars game, he didn't know his receivers were going to drop two thirds of the passes <laughs> thrown to them in the next two games. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's on Nick and, and ultimately I think it's team sport. It's, it's the offense is, is not pulling its collective weight. And, you know, the other thing that just kind of constantly comes up, and, and I'm not saying, I understand we all probably have Deshaun fatigue. It was a really long off season. James, I, I, I am curious though, because it, it enrages so many people on one level or another. Why do you think that there is still such polarizing stances on Deshaun Jackson, his release, and, and all this stuff as, you know, he's coming back in here. Why, why do you think that is so enraging for certain types of people, no, what, no matter what uh, side you're on? I think that it, a major part of the reason is, like you said, that he was released. I think the fact that the Eagles did not get anything back for a guy who had 82 catches and 1,300 yards last season and was clearly the number one receiver on the team, uh, I think that pisses people off. I think that people don't understand why you couldn't have played your hand a little better and gotten something back. And then adding to that, I think that there are a lot of people who don't like that, that chip wants the guys he wants. You know, they, they say Deshaun has talent. I don't care if he's a jerk. I don't care if he doesn't want to go to bed. When you tell him to go to bed, he's a grown man. Let him do his thing. I think there are a lot of people who feel that way. who feel that the talent on the field should supersede something as in their minds as silly as a program or as silly as, you know, is this guy willing to go to bed at, at 10 o'clock at night and get the requisite amount of sleep that, that chip chips program calls for. Um, so I, I think that makes a lot of people angry. I, I mean, I'm on the other side of it. I, I, I have no problem with it. I really, as, as we move further and further away from it, honestly, at this point, I just want to hear people stop talking about it. I, I'm tired of it. I, I'm, I think the offense is fine. I look, they, they went out and got Sproles for a fifth rounder. You know, I, I'm sure there are saints fans out there saying, how can we give this guy up for only a fifth rounder? <laughs> I, you know, I just yeah. think, I just think it's something that you're going to see across the league, especially when players are either released or, or given away for far less value than what the fan base seems to believe they are worth. And, and I think that's kind of fueled the whole vitriol of the whole situation. It's always going to be talked about, you know, it's always going to be one of those things because it was just such a massive move. I mean, looking back, you know, you look back to just the end of the 2013 season and you, you, no one would have saw, see, have seen that coming, you know, at the time it was, it was really surprising at this point, you know, it's never just like I said, it's never going to go away and people are always going to talk about it. And then other people are going to be like, oh, why are you still talking about it? Well, it's just going to be one of those things at this point. You know, I think James made a lot of good points. Uh, obviously, they don't quote unquote need him. They're totally I mean, they're they're first in uh, yards gained and points scored right now. Uh, it's clear they can operate without him. Wide receivers have obviously struggled Macklin and and Cooper and even Jordan Matthews. I don't think that's just because Deshaun isn't here. You know, I think that's because they're going through some of their own issues with whether that's a timing thing with Foles and whatever chemistry, all of that drops, just all that kind of stuff. It's weird because again, like you just, you never would have expected Deshaun to be gone. And, and then the other thing is there's never been a clear explanation why, and there just never really is going to be one because the the team isn't going to throw him under the bus. You know, like uh, Jeff McLean released an article this week, you know, about players <laughs> apparently not knowing why Deshaun is gone. And I just don't buy that at all. 
they're not going to throw him under the bus. And maybe some of them genuinely, you know, maybe are, are kind of like don't fully get it. But you can't tell me they don't have at least a kind of a clue of why it happened. I mean, obviously, they're there every day. They spend time with him. It's not like a secret. You know, it's not like he was this, you know, perfect angel. And then like, oh, he's gone now. And we have no idea why. <laughs> and then the other thing about that is like, even if that was the case, don't you think they'd be a little more outraged about that if he was this model citizen and he was this perfect teammate? That, that doesn't seem to be the case. You know, you had these reports about him not being a great locker room guy. Again, who knows? Because we're not there. But you, you can't tell me that, you know, this was just... You know, some kind of thing where, like, oh, you know, they released him and we have no idea why and he's gone and, uh, well, you know, whatever. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying here. And, like, there's – Patrick and I – and I know Patty's, like, kind of over it and sick of everything too. And I'm just as guilty as anybody else when it, when this thing comes up, especially when it's on Twitter. And, and all due respect to Jeff McClain, but he got it wrong. Okay, Jeff McClain got it wrong in the in the first go of this. He went against everybody: Mosier, uh, Kemsky, uh, Derek Gunn, all these guys. So, like, I I just don't I don't know why people decide to fit with whatever narrative fits with them. If you read between the lines, you can see everything here. I mean, it, it might if Mike Florio is telling you that oh, obviously Chip Kelling is lying about his reasoning behind this thing. Uh, I think it's a pretty good chance that none of the players currently there would say anything about it either because it doesn't help them. It doesn't help them. It doesn't help the team. They don't exactly know, but you know enough. You know enough if you just think for a moment and and, and just kind of expand on that. I get really frustrated with that. I know it's really stupid. The whole debates between the Eagles Civil War, as it's been called for the past you know two months, is it, it, it gets ridiculous. I'm a part of the problem as well. Um, Patrick, anything to kind of add to this or sum up uh, on your thoughts here? Uh, I you just can just say no if you want. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I will say this. I think based on what I've seen from the people who are sort of on the other side, and I kind of feel, feel for those people who might be listening because they're not going to hear their side of this uh, told on this particular podcast. Uh, but my my guess would be, that the outrage sort of stems from the fact that the Eagles left the fans in the dark. They left sort of the gates of speculation wide open and let one of their best players go without compensation. I think it's just that easy. And, you know, whether or not he succeeds in Washington is sort of beside the point. I think a lot of people probably still feel that, you know, you sort of enable your star players. And everything we've seen from Chip has sort of run counter to that. He's not going to put up with this. Chip's very big into sports science and psychology and all that stuff. There's a great uh, Wall Street Journal article about Chip today. Go read it if you haven't. I find it very hard to believe that especially early in Chip's tenure, he was going to let a, a, a well-known, well-established player on his team boss him around, especially in his first year. Mm -hmm. If Chip wanted to make a big statement, and say, there's a new daddy in town, to quote Arrested Development, uh, <laughs> and you damn well better fall in line or you can go find yourself another team to play for. And he had the track record after going 10-6 and six and putting up all those numbers that I think people, probably those who, who are still sort of unsure about what Chip was all about, they know now, and they know they knew then. All right, I know we, we'll get over the Deshaun talk, but it's important. He's coming into town. We're going to get into matchups, but first... I'd like to introduce a little new segment to the show. We're going to play uh, a little match game with our good friend, Mr. Dave Mangles. 
and Mr. Dylan Mark, which basically uh, we're going to have to figure out was uh, what they're saying from a beat writer, uh, a radio host, or an internet commenter, or a uh, radio caller. So we're going to go around the horn here and have a little fun. But first, uh, Mr. Dave Mangles, Mr. Dylan Mark, take it away. All right, we we obviously we encourage everybody to uh, play at home. Basically, just like I was saying, here's how it's going to work. Dave is going to read a quote, and we have to guess, is it a Washington Post writer or is it a Washington Post commenter? Uh, and then uh, we're going to hand it back to Dylan. Dylan's going to ask us pretty much the same thing. We just have to identify, is it a ESPN 980 radio host or an ESPN 980 radio caller? We'll start with our good friend Dave Mangles. Dave Mangles, what is the first question? Who said it? Washington Post writer or a Washington Post commenter? What is interesting to observe in preseason and then on Sunday was that Cousins seems to have a much better grasp of the timing of Gruden's offense. BLG, will start with you. Writer or commenter? Uh, I'm going to go commenter on that one. James Elter, writer or commenter? I'll take the other side. I'm going to go writer. And uh, Mr. Patrick Wall, writer or commenter? I hate everything related to this team, so I'm going to assume it was one of their writers. <laughs> uh, I'm going to split. The, I think we're going to be split down the middle here. I'm going to go commenter, Dave Mangles. That was a Washington Post commenter. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> yes, Patrick. We are winners. Oh, my gosh. All right, let's go to uh, Mr. Dylan Mark with our next question. Was this spoken by an ESPN 980 radio host or a radio caller? Kirk Cousins is a developed quarterback. All he needs is playing time. James, we'll start with you. Caller or host? This is uh, right in my wheelhouse here, Johnny. Um, <laughs> I, I've heard a lot of callers say a lot of things very similar to this. I'm going to go caller. Uh, Patrick Wall, caller or host? really want this to be uh, Chad Duke's pride of my alma mater, George Mason University, but I have a feeling it's a radio caller. Uh, different different radio station, too. So. Uh, who cares? <laughs> Not Chad Duke. It counts. It counts. BLG uh, host or caller? Has to be a caller. You are correct with Woo-hoo! the caveat. The caveat is it was John Kime, the ESPN NFL writer for the Washington. Oh. <laughs> wow. That's a, that's a, that was a trick question. That was great. That was perfect. All right, let's go back to Dave Mangles. I like this one because it's only week two of the season. Or week three. After spending weeks eliminating stuff that didn't suit Griffin, Gruden will restore much of the playbook for Cousins. Ooh. This sounds like the kind of uh, declarative reaching that you would hear on uh, on the comments board of Philly.com. So I'm going to say that's a commenter. BLG. Uh, no, I'm going to I'm going to say it's a writer. I'm going to say it's a writer in this case. James Elzer. Yeah, I think BLG is right. I'm going writer as well. <laughs> I'm going to go commenter again. That was Jason Reed of the Washington Post. Oh God! Wow. <laughs> All right. I love this one because it's we've only had two weeks in the season. So after spending weeks limiting stuff, and then, yeah, maybe there's some stuff in there that you would put in for Cousins that you wouldn't have put in for Griffin. But the vice versa is true as well. You know, you're not going to have any read options with Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Actually, my friend, according to the ESPN 980 this afternoon, they will be using the entire playbook for Kirk Cousins. Well, there you go. It's like when you do a, a fantasy draft on Madden and it keeps the same playbook. 
So you get uh, you get slow lumbering quarterbacks doing a read option. <laughs> uh, all right, we're gonna go back to Dylan for the next one. Dylan, what do you got? All right, ESPN nine eighty radio host, radio caller. RG three does not play another down this season because Kirk Cousins is dominant. That should be a caller, but I'm gonna go host <laughs> yeah, I- here. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go host just because of the game and whatnot. But if that is not a caller, I, I don't know what's going on at ESPN Radio in Washington. Patrick, nothing good. I was there for seven years. Nothing good is happening, <laughs> Washington. That's a host. Man, that sounds almost as hot as my Mark Sanchez take. So I'm gonna go radio host. That is correct. Bam. Also, Tom Lavero of the Washington Times. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wow, that is so terrible. I can't even, like, I can't even put into words how sad that makes me. Not injury, mind you. It's not that he's actually injured. It's because a town who, I shit you not, for the past two, three years, however long this guy's been in the league, RG3 has been basically Jesus. (laughs) And now, all of a sudden, because of one game, (laughs) Kirk Cousins is the second coming of Joe Theismann, and it's, it's just grappled people. And it's amazing. It's like everybody is taking Ibogaine, and they're all just seeing lizards, and each of them is wearing a Kirk Cousins jersey, and they love it. And it's it al- amazing. It also shows you how bad a coach Jay Gruden is if, if like, your backup quarterback is a better fit for your system. So. Well, no, he, he likes those 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 yes-men with below-average arm strength and decent accuracy. So, But love you know, the Andy that Dalton. leads me to my next one. Yeah, go ahead, Dave. Dave, uh, Dave, take the next question. I love this one because it's a backhanded compliment. Cousins on Sunday reminded me of Andy Dalton under Gruden. Oh, that is high praise right there. High praise. <laughs> um, I'm going to go commenter just to mix it up. Uh, Patrick Wall. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm with James. Same thing. I'm going to go ahead and say that has to be a commenter. That was Mark Bullock of the Washington Post. Oh, you got to be kidding me. I'm so bad. How does this <laughs> I just figured it had to be a commenter at some point, right? <laughs> I know, I know. Nope, uh, these people are all paid. <laughs> I know Dan Snyder owns the uh, the radio station. I didn't know he also owns the Washington Post. Yeah, well, there you go. And if we tally up the scores, it looks like uh, Washington. Washington loses this game. Everybody else wins. <laughs> well, this wraps up uh, a wonderful uh, trivia spot from uh, the, the boys that put this together. Dave Magels, Dylan Mark, uh, thanks so much for putting that together. That was a lot of fun. I think we're going to continue to do that basically for every uh, uh, NFC East division game because it's it's hysterical and i love poking fun at the enemy um stay tuned for that we have a little easter egg on the on the back of that if you want some bonus content me and dylan and uh, dave were just kind of bringing up old memories of todd boyles and juan castillo and all that fun stuff so uh let's get right into the matchup here though guys uh, blg uh, what are you looking for on sunday uh win <laughs> no um, Boom. Done. Well, drop the mic ladies and gentlemen thank you so much <laughs> we're out no, um, uh, some of the key matchups I'll be watching, obviously, Deshaun, if he plays, you know, he, he keeps saying he wants to play, but I mean, I'm not 100% yet because he still hasn't practiced yet. You know, he, he missed practice Wednesday, Thursday. Sounds like he's going to do everything he can to get out there. I'm not going to be surprised if he does play, but you know, I don't, I think it's far from 100% that he plays at this point. And then even if he does, you know, how long does he stay in the game if he gets hit hard? You know, he's, he's an AC, AC sprain. And I don't know how severe it is, but, you know, that's an injury that's kept Josh Huff out since, like, mid-August, and he still isn't back. Again, different sprains, different degrees, whatever. But, 
you know, you never know. So obviously, but if he does play, you know, that's going to be fun to watch him and Kerry Williams going up against each other. I'm sure there will be physicality there. I'm sure Harry won't be uh, afraid to push Deshaun around. I'm sure Deshaun won't be afraid to get in Kerry's face after he makes a catch. But one of the most concerning matchups has to be the offensive line, the Eagles offensive line, that is, against a Washington pass rush that had 10 sacks last week. Uh, obviously, you have Arakpo, you have Kerrigan, and you know one of those guys is going up against, I, I guess it's Kerrigan, is going up against... Um, Andrew Gardner, it sounds like he's going to get the start at right tackle again. You know, that's iffy. I mean, obviously, Gardner had his struggles uh, against the Colts, and he's really just obviously not going to be able to handle a guy like Kerrigan. One thing I will say about the Eagles' offensive line is I haven't been super concerned in pass protection. They did not allow a single sack uh, against the Colts. Then again, the Colts don't have the best pass rushers. But still, what I'm really more concerned about this back offensive, backup offensive line is the run game. You know, Shady hasn't really gotten going yet. Uh, I don't think he's had more than 80 yards in a game. I think that right now is where you're seeing the uh, the loss of, of Lane and Barbre and Evan, the biggest, is in the run game. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the other thing I didn't really – I mean, a, a lot of people kept – uh, pointing to the to the you know the offensive line for kind of some of Nick Foles' struggles, I didn't really see that much. I actually saw Nick Foles kind of break his own pocket, and a lot of those scrambles and stuff were a little unnecessary. But uh, yeah, no, it's definitely concerned in the run game, and we, I think we had m- mentioned that on the last show as well. But you know, uh, BLG pointed it out ten sacks against uh, Jacksonville. I guess that worries some of us a little bit. Um, one thing we still haven't talked about is the fact that, you know, Kirk Cousins is going to be starting here, James. So, I mean, does that change your worriedness about that, that Washington offense now that they, I don't know, supposedly have somebody that can get, get the ball to these, you know, high-profile uh, uh, wide receiving core here? Yeah, well, I actually made the, the joke on Twitter uh, last uh, Sunday that maybe Cousins was better than RG3, and uh, most people did not agree with me. I got a, a lot of vitriol back my way. Uh, but look, I mean, just based on what Cousins has done in the offense when he's been given the opportunity, he's had success. He's shown that he can at least compete on the NFL level. They do have a lot of weapons, especially if Deshaun's healthy. Uh, and, you know, I, I think it's definitely something you got to worry about. If nothing else, it presents a different look than the Eagles were anticipating, at least up until last Sunday. So. It's something that you got to be a little worried about. It's it's more of an unknown. You know, we've we've seen the Eagles beat RG3. We've seen how they can handle him. RG3 had not looked particularly good at the beginning of this season or especially last season. So, you know, you you, you feel some sense of confidence going up against that guy. With, with Cousins, it's just a, a who knows kind of thing. Are we going to see the Cousins who went out and threw for 250 and two touchdowns in, in three-plus quarters of play last week? Or are we going to see the Cousins who was a turnover machine at the end of last season? So I, I don't know what we're going to see. And, and I think for that reason, yes, it is a little worrisome and maybe even a little more worrisome than RG3 just because of that unknown. Patrick, how should the uh, how should the Eagles' offense be attacking Washington's defense this week? Well, if it's me, I'm going after their their secondary. Um, they just cut Bakari Rambo, uh, owner of maybe the best name in NFL history. Uh, he was their starter at the beginning of the season, and he's on the street now. So um, that coupled with uh, perennial Pro Bowler and All Pro Smack Talker D'Angelo Hall, uh, I think. Uh, <laughs> 
I think that's a matchup you can exploit. And, and honestly, I don't think you do a lot differently than you've been doing in the last couple games. Uh, you know, you want to get the run game going early. Obviously, you want to get uh, Shady and Sproles the ball, do some screen action, uh, get the ball to Ertz, and then sprinkle in some downfield stuff with Macklin and Cooper. You know, I mean, I think that's really what we're going to be seeing all year. Um, and I think that there are definitely going to be some matchups you're going to be able to exploit, uh, especially, I think, down the field with um, with your outside guys. I mean, my my instant instincts, again, is, is basically the same thing that you they try to do, or I, th- I think they were trying to do against uh, Andrew Luck, is just to stop Alfred Morris, uh, put a you know bubble on Roy Hulu or anybody else that's coming out of the backfield, make Kirk Cousins throw, make him one-dimensional, dial up the blitzes and go to town. Uh, do you see anything differently with that uh, game plan, or what do you expect the Eagles to do on that side of the ball? Yeah, I think it was interesting last week because, you know, my feelings about this Eagles run defense coming into, at least coming into the Colts game was, you know, oh, you know, the Eagles run defense is probably the best part of their defense. They were, I think they were easily a top 10 run defense in, in different stats in 2013 you know they didn't allow too many rushing they never allowed a 100 yard rusher except Rashad Jennings and that was in garbage time against the Raiders so they're pretty good but it was weird because you know they take on these Colts running backs who are not very good all due respect to the mighty Trent Richardson and even <laughs> Ahmad, Ahmad Bradshaw who I guess is okay but you know they just made them look probably better than they should have been and that's kind of concerning because I, I, I'm not fully sure why that happened. I mean, you had the same personnel in there. Uh, Michael Kendricks left, but, you know, this was an issue before he, he got hurt. So I'm not fully sure why that happened. Maybe they were committed to stopping the pass, which they did do a pretty good job of doing. They kept Andrew Luck to his third lowest total of passing yards ever. You know, I, I would like to say that I'm comfortable uh, with the Eagles shutting down the Washington ground game. But then again, you know, Alfred Alfred Morris is pretty good. Uh, I believe he's leading the league in either yards or yards per carry. He's up there. So, I mean, you have him come to town. It's going to be challenging to stop him. And if he, if he gives the Eagles – or if Trent Richardson was giving the Eagles trouble – as you know, a physical runner like he was last week. You know what's what's Alfred Morris going to do? Yeah, yeah, it's it's def- definitely something to be concerned about. It's when I have a weird feeling about this game, um, I, not one way or the other. I just feel like I'm not worried about it, but he also so at the same time I can clearly see uh, a loss kind of sneaking up here as well. So um, I'm I'm not I'm not really confident on either side of the ball, but I think uh, well we'll get we'll we'll get into that into the predictions as we get along here. But uh, before we get to that. Let's wrap up uh, with everybody's favorite segment. We ring the bell and make some picks. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the picks. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Of course, uh, like a dummy, I haven't been keeping track of our exact records. I just know that uh, James Elter has been has been pricking pretty pretty solid, uh, and I'm uh, not sure about the rest of us, but I'm a, I think I'm at about just below 500. Uh, we're going to stick to one game because uh, I know I, uh, we're kind of running out of time here, but we will start with the leader himself, Mr. James Elter. Uh, what is your game selection this week? Johnny, I, if I had to pick one, and I, and I agree, I, I'm, I'm surprised. It's shocking how good I've been doing. I think I'm like <laughs> six and two, and, and I've thrown in two extras. I'm like eight and two this year. So let's try and keep this rolling. I'm going to go uh, with a team that I just 
I just I feel like I'm going to pick against him every week that they're favored, and I can't believe they're favored another week in a row, and that's the New York Giants. I yes. think they're an awful, awful, awful football team. They're just not good, period. End of story. They're bad on defense. They're bad on offense. Their offensive line outside of Will Beatty is a joke. Uh, it's just a disaster right now, and I think this Houston football team is actually pretty good. I think that – there's something going there. Their O-line has played really well. Both tackles uh, in uh, Derek Newton and Dwayne Brown have just been awesome for them. Uh, Arian Foster looks healthy. I know he missed practice, but I think that's just something you're going to see with Houston. I think Houston's a better football team, and I think they go into New York, and I, they're getting a point. I think they win it outright. Yeah, I mean, I'm starting to eat some crow already. I didn't think Bill O'Brien would have any type of uh, instant impact over there, but if you can make Ryan Fitzpatrick hold up, um, and winning ball games and not screwed up. Your defense is pretty good, and your offensive line's got to be pretty good. And Adrian Foster has been uh, really, really a, a workhorse down there as, uh, you know, he's showing the old flashes there. Patrick Wall, where are we going next? The next game, I would like to go to Carolina. Hey, hey, hey. The uh, Steelers <laughs> Panthers. Uh, John, this is going to really pain me to say. <laughs> you may have been right about Kelvin Benjamin. Yeah. Uh, He's looked pretty okay so far. I thought he was going to be just awful. Boy, were you right. You didn't You didn't jump off that bandwagon. I'll give it to you. But speaking of football teams that are just not good, we talked about this during the preseason. The Steelers just looked awful. Uh, they did not look good against a mediocre Ravens team. I would not be surprised if this game, this game turns into a shellacking. You know, Carolina, the one thing that we kept saying was, yeah, they're wide receivers. We kind of forgot about their defense. Their defense is playing very well. And at a home game, I'm surprised the line is only minus three for the, for the Panthers. I think this could be a big statement win for them. Yeah, uh, honey, uh, don't listen to anything that Patrick said. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers are just fine. Uh, and <laughs> go have a cup of coffee, and it'll be cool. Now, I, I, I agree with you there. Pittsburgh's really struggling. Uh, their draft doesn't look as good as I thought it initially did uh, uh, coming into this year, so there's a lot of holes to fill, especially in that middle of the defense. Uh, BLG, where are we going next? We are going to go to St. Louis, oh. and I am taking the Dallas Cowboys. To? Whoa! They are a one and uh, one and a half point road favorite. I don't know, man. I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of the Rams at this point. You know, they've lost a lot of players to injury. They're home. Uh, but they have Austin Davis starting, who's pretty much their third string quarterback right now. I was going to take the uh, Patrick's pick, but he stole it from me here. So I'm <laughs> going to take the Cowboys. I think, you know, I think their defense has been surprisingly, surprisingly not bad as I thought it was going to be. I don't I, I don't think it's good. I don't think it's going to be good, but I don't think it has been as bad. And the skill players are playing well. You know, uh, DeMarco Murray had a big game last week. So did Des Bryant. Uh, I guess Witten too, but the most concerning thing in Dallas is Tony Romo right now, and is he healthy? I don't know, but the Cowboys are one and a half point favorite. I think they can get that. I agree with the BLG. I think they're you know Dallas is playing okay, but it, it, it'll show up. Don't worry. <laughs> There's still five about five yards of carry uh, on the rush and all that good stuff too. So uh, peeking her head around the corner. I am actually going to go down to New Orleans. And uh, I see that uh, it is a huge 10-point uh, favorite for the New Orleans Saints. Yes, they're 0-2. Yes, that defense doesn't look great. Uh, I have no faith in Minnesota now that Adrian Peterson's been a big, dumb idiot. And, you know, you probably won't see him for the rest of the year. Uh, that puts Minnesota in a huge bind. I don't trust Matt Castle. 
especially when they're playing in that dome. I'm taking the Saints minus 10 at home. Leading into it, though, guys, let's get into uh, final thoughts and predictions. BLG. We're going to take the Eagles to win 3-0. They're at home. I think it's going to be a good game. I feel like I say that about every game. Uh, As far as the score goes, this one isn't coming easily to mind. But I will say I think it's going to be about, I guess I'm taking Eagles 30, just like they were last week. And I'm taking Washington 24. And I'd like to point out that in week one, I did predict – 34-17 over the Jaguars. And if that wasn't creepy enough, in week two, in the preview that I did, the the Colts blog, I think I changed it on here. I said 31-28 to on here. But in in that original one, I did say 30-27. to And I said Cody Parkey would make the game-winning field goal. I said 50-plus yards. Let's get this guy to Vegas right now. What's going on right now? Yeah. You need to stop the the podcast and get on a plane. Immediately. Uh, James Elser, final thoughts, score prediction. Yeah, I'm kind of with BLG there. I do think they ultimately win the game, but I think it's going to be ugly. I think it's going to be a tough win. I'm really worried about the the Emmanuel Acho, Casey Matthews tandem back there, especially trying to hold up against a, an athletic Washington offensive line. Uh, you know, that stretch run game is impressive. Alfred Morris is, is just a beast back there. So I, I really worry about that matchup. And like BLG mentioned earlier in the show, I'm very worried about that offensive line holding up against Arakpo and Kerrigan and, and all that pressure that they bring. Uh, but now, having said all that, uh, I'm going to say that I do think the Eagles find a way, just like they did the last two weeks, to kind of gut out a win. I think that ultimately they're a better team than Washington, and I, I think more importantly, I think Chip Kelly's just a much better coach than Jay Gruden. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to go Eagles 28-25, to 25, uh, but, man, I, I think it's going to be a, a – a crazy close game. 24, 28-24, let's go. 20, you don't see a lot of 25s in the NFL. 28-24. Uh, Patrick Wall, final thought, score prediction. So my final score prediction, I think the Eagles are actually going to continue their run of 30-plus points. Um, their pass rush scares me. Their, uh, their front seven is better than I think a lot of people are giving them credit for, but I just think they're susceptible through the air. I think the Eagles are, in a way, a sort of a – better version of this Washington team. Um, I think the things that the, that the skins do well, the Eagles do better and the things that the Eagles are not so great at the skins are worse um, in a lot of ways. So I'm going to say that the Eagles are going to pull this one out 33 to 21. Man, we are real close. I'm going 33 24. Why? Jay Gruden sucks. Plain and simple. That's I mean, literally that's, that, that matchup, Chip Kelly versus Jay Gruden, I'll take Chip Kelly 500 times a day, and that's how it's going to roll out. Well, everybody, I, thank you so much again. Thank you to Dave Mangles and Mr. D- uh, Mr. Dylan Mark for joining us as well. Uh, for BLG, for Mr. James Zelter, Patrick Wall, and myself, John Barchard, we thank you so much for listening to BGN Radio, episode number 49. You've been listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com.
<laughs> was this said by a Redskins fan blog or a comment in the blog? Ooh, all right. If given the chance, I feel that Cousins will grow into a true, undisputed, undisputed leader. A man who will, people will respond to without hesitation. In fact, it's already happening. Yeah, see that. I mean, the way you phrased it—that is definitely a Washington Redskins blog. Correct. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no. Sonofwashington.com. <laughs> no, uh, no comment could be put together so elegantly if it if it were. So I, I you know, I had to go with that one. That's <laughs> the basic point that this that this builds off of is they became impressed with Kirk Cousins when they watched him beat their college team. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it's just the Kirk Cousins stuff is going to be, hopefully, is going to be hysterical. He's Kevin Cobb. I I can't believe he's Kevin Cobb without the the, the latent unknown, uh, uh, you know, proclivity to have concussions. That's all he is. Same skill set, same leadership. Remember Kevin Cobb when he's drafted? Oh, intangibles out the ass. Oh, he's a leader. <laughs> that guy killed a snake with his bare hands. Shit like that. And he's the same quarterback. The same exact quarterback. Same throwing motion. Everything's the same. Except one of them hasn't had four concussions yet. And the other one is now, you know, wherever the hell he is in a swamp somewhere. That's all he is. Um, you know, that's all he will ever be. And that's it. You know, that's the bottom line. But the Redskins fans here, you know, they need to have something because this was the year they got John Gruden finally. They took him out of the booth from Night Football, and they've been able to actually install an offense, um, you know, like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers ran. Because everybody, by the way, if you haven't noticed, everybody here still has no idea who Jay Gruden is. So <laughs> it, it, it's pretty funny because most of them talk about John when they call. <laughs> Not realizing they're two different beings. Um, and, and, and so it's sort of like, you know, it's, it's like osmosis, right? It, eventually, if you sleep on Jay Gruden, he'll eventually give you that Super Bowl winning championship from Tampa Bay from like 14 years ago. With and the all of a sudden, everything yeah. be right in the world. So they should really fear that Casey Matthews is going to play on Sunday. Well, you know, look. Because, <laughs> I mean, it's the, same, it's the same guy, right? It's his brother. Guy. It's the same guy. Yeah, Jay Gruden, Gruden, John Gruden, Gruden fill in a card. Matthews, Casey Matthews. And, and, well, I mean, in all fairness, there were blazing hot calls when, when, when Matthews was drafted. It was like, oh, yeah, just like his brother. It's sweet. Middle yeah. linebacker and wide nine is going to work out great. Look, you know, that, that was a weird time, okay? <laughs> I was at. I, I, I feel was, bad for him. It wasn't his fault. His his yeah. coach was in, completely inept and put him in a position he was I, dead. I had he, he had no choice but failure on. I had a competition, and I got the text that Juan Castillo was named defensive coordinator. And, and I sat there in a hotel room in a suit just wondering if, if this was actually life. Um, if something had happened that I didn't know about, if I was dead, if this was some sort of weird like afterlife. <laughs> um, and, and I pinched myself several times. I doused myself in bourbon, and then I realized that Andy Reid is has a death wish. It, it took a few years. Uh, it took a few years to to happen. Um, two, three years. You know, the Juan Castillo era. I've kind of tried to purge my memory. Um, but I mean, it's it's insane. And for him to name Casey Matthews starting middle linebacker basically out of the draft. I mean, what are you talking about? How does that happen? <laughs> but it happened. That's what. That's why we should be excited about Chip Kelly. I don't care if he doesn't win for the next four to five weeks. He's not that thick. If you look at the drive Matthews is on, he was off it within four plays. I mean, he was gone. They, they put uh, Acho back in there, um, and Matthews was just relegated to special teams, where he's very good. He's a very good role player, um, but he's not a defensive linebacker um, in the NFL. He's not even close. 
Yeah, you can't take snaps. It was so interesting with that. I mean, like, there were, I'm just drudging up memories now. There were so many phone calls that said Juan Castillo would work. And and it's just like, it was a whole, we tried to <laughs> dilute ourselves of like, yeah, this is great. Literally nobody in the NFL has ever tried this, but I'm sure it'll be fine. Well, that, well, part of me wanted it to work, and, he, yeah. and here's why. Genius. No, yeah, well, no, because it's, you know, it's. I'm not saying it's easy being an NFL coach. Don't get me wrong. But these coaches make it seem like what they're doing is rocket science or brain surgery, and it's not. So I kind of wanted it to work so that it could be like, look, it ain't that hard. An offensive line coach is, is, is a defensive coordinator now. Right. You know, yes. I will say this for Juan's uh, horrific failure as a defensive coordinator. As it got going, he wasn't horrific. Um, he wasn't as bad. Todd Bowles, when he took over the defense, oh. you're a guy who people thought was going to be a head coach, um, who was a defensive mastermind, the love of the pride of Temple University. I mean, he was just an absolute dumpster fire when he yeah, took. I'm not you, sure what the hell was going on. You couldn't. You can't blame that on him though, with the kind well, of personnel no, that was there. He, but no, he, but you could blame this. They brought him in and they said he's going to take care of all the coverages. He's going to get the secondary right. And then they played the Cardinals the next that year again, and they had the same freaking problems with covering Fitzgerald. And it was the same. It was the same shit, different year. And it's like we hadn't done crap. Well, yeah, yeah. But no, but that was, I mean, that was a mid, mid-year mid change, though. That was, the, that was it, right? No, they brought him in the offseason. They said he's going to get the secondary fixed, and it was worse. Right, and remember, remember the, the, the logic coming allegedly from the sources inside the locker room, whomever they may be, was that a lot of people had Bowles' ear, whereas Castillo, you know, nobody respected him. They thought he was yes, a joke, and then he would get criticized oh, yeah. by Washburn. So of some of the, the, the nonsense proliferated by, you know, the, the beats was, oh, well, they'll listen to Todd Bowles. You know, he already <laughs> has their ear. And then, you know, and then it's just a straight trash for the rest of that. Yeah, that I, I don't know. I still I still can't put that on him. That was a, such a weird situation. A lot, I mean, the whole defense was, like, you know, siphoned off into, like, the <laughs> the defensive sure, line yeah, and I mean, the yeah, linebackers and so. It was so bad with Castillo that it was like, you have to try to be worse than this. And he was worse <laughs> than that. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was a really low bar. Yeah. It was a really low bar. Well, uh, it went underneath it. Yeah, Dylan and Dave, we thank you so much for hanging out. I hope you enjoyed the uh, the Easter egg bonus coverage here. And we'll be uh, these guys will be back for sure. We, we think this has got legs. So, well, uh, uh, thanks for tuning in once again right here on BGN Radio.